my lesson is on choosing joy, being the victim or the victor. I've had a great life. Honestly, my dad got saved when I was two years old and um, he was a wicked, wicked man. Um, matter of fact, he almost killed a man with his bare hands. Um, and that was normal. I mean, he was just, he was a drunk. He'd lied, he cheated. He was just a wicked man. And um, he was invited to church one day to Mill Road Baptist Church and C.W. Fisk was preaching and he got saved. And that amazes. Well, when my dad got saved, he got saved. There wasn't any part of him that wasn't saved except for his son came. He smoked for four years in college and called Anderson College. Nobody ever comments. Yeah, that was please. I plenty of intense on this daughter. No one teething. I do not I'm never smoke. <laughs> anyway, after he got saved, um, he went to college in that bowl. And I mean, he he wouldn't be a pastor. And so he was he was in college for all those years, but my mom thought you tooth and nail the whole time he was in college, she was not saved. And so, of course, at college, he was the man. I mean, he was leading people, Lord, everywhere. He was just the soul winner. But at home, it was not that nice. My mom made life miserable for my, my dad and for all of us. But in 1978, something glorious happened. They docks have led my mom to the Lord. And I'm just telling you, she got saved. When she got saved, she got saved. <laughs> It was a life change. But then a year later, and I don't know why God allowed this to happen, but they went and pastored a church. I know if I had only been saved one year and went out and passed, was a pastor's wife at the church, the whole church would have locked. You know, because <laughs> I know who I am. But we went to a little town called Wilcox, Arizona. And those were training years. Those were great years. They were hard years, of course. But when I was nine years old, my dad was preaching and I got so convicted and I had, and I knew I was not saved. I ran down that aisle um, at invitation and I'm just weeping. I said, dad, I am not saved. And I can tell you on February 15th, 1981 is when I got saved and I became a new creature. Yes, I was only nine years old, but I was a new creature. I was different. I knew in my heart I'm this different. I knew. I'm everything convicting me different. It was just different. It was just wonderful. But when I was 14, I didn't always live right. And now I did start reading my Bible at seven years old, all the way through every year. But when I was 14, I, I was at a camp and I decided, okay, I'm going to do right. No matter the cost, I don't care what it is. I'm going to do right. I didn't realize that shortly. After that decision, I would have to be tested on that. And uh, our youth group was not always the most spiritual youth group. And one time, this is just one example, and I'm not patting myself on the back because I can tell you it's probably the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. But um, I w our youth group went out to pizza. We're a small town or whatever. And they decided, oh, we're going to double put honey in the jukebox. You know, us old people know all about jukeboxes. That's <laughs> fine. Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I stood up for Reich, okay? <laughs> but I know what they look like. I've never used one. They'll think. Um, but anyway, they decided to use the jukebox, and so I said, no, we can't do that. 
So of course they started making fun of me and holy roller and all of that kind of other stuff. And so I went and sat at another table. Well, you know, my dad was a very good dad. And since he lived in the world so long, he knew what teenagers were capable of. That would you know, my dad just comes dragging by and he sees me in the window and I'm all sitting out by myself. So he pulls in her, you know, Marcy, come here. If you knew my dad, he was like, world, right? Let's <laughs> think Jennifer knows my dad. Anyway, dad, he's a cut the hell, but anyway, of course, come here, you know, tilt man. And um, he said, what's going on? And I told him, he had to be. Like, these, I'm so proud of you. I you so much. And my dad is not that kind of a man because he's a man's man. Ooh, that kind of a guy. But, you know, I thought of something when my dad grabbed me that day and made me realize my savior up at heaven to say the same thing because I stood for right. Now, all those years I did, I wasn't perfect, but I can tell you that I was really trying to serve the Lord, and I I made some bad decisions during that time, and some I regret, and I, some I wish I could go back and change, but I can't. But when I was 18 years old, I came to Hauser Anderson College, and I can tell you that was a great day. I know people go, well, are you going to college? You will have to go to college. Well, you know what? I needed to go to college. And you know what college does? It makes you more of who you already are. So if you're already living wrong, guess what? You are going to magnify that while you're, while you're there. And if you're wanting to do right, God is going to bring that out. And you know what? There's a lot of great people here. They're not perfect. They mean their mistakes. They probably even yelled at you. But you probably needed it too. <laughs> uh, but so for four years, I was here in 94. I graduated, but I worked under Lori and Brother Ray some of the best days of my life. I can say that. But then Brother Ray hired me to I'll work at City Baptist for five years, and that's where I worked with Miss Hegerboy. I worked about investing in teens and people. Let me tell you, I still do that. I In my church, I uh, direct the Choice Choir and also the Teen Choir, and I also teach secondary math. So I'm still using anything I've learned, isn't that great? <laughs> so after that, um, while I was working at City Baptist, um, in the meantime, and during all my life, there was a man by the name of Ryan Marsh, who was born um, eight days after I was. And his life was not like mine. What his life was, he, he grew up in a pastor's home, but his dad was a hypocrite who had a home and drank, beat his mom, beat the kids, Pulled out pornography, showed it to him. Mom decided to run off with a man in the church. And she had the choice. Should I keep the kids or should I go off with this man? Signed up all rights. Gave it to dad and the dad said, why well, I don't want So let's get into grandma and grandpa. And grandma and grandpa had no rules, you know. I don't know that they hate you know, that was with a lot of baggage. Y'all know that, right? You know, that kind of abuse. And they could have, can you see me? You, I feel like I'm taking that bone. Bead. And you're wonderful to look at while I'm speaking to you. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what all I need to say with this. Anyway, my husband went into the dinghy. He did everything that you have ever heard of sailors. That's who he was. He came out of the dandy and um, 
life is at its lowest. Of course, if he got involved in um, marijuana and he and his uh, cousin meet each other are real good. Two little ladies. That is why it's important for ladies to go so and especially old ladies. They came by his door. You know, I'm an old lady too, okay? When I'll tell that story and say, Lion, I have something for you. He went to church at First Baptist Church of South Levard. Mark Rose led him to war. Changed his life. He was 23 years old and he got called to be a pastor. Came to college. He was 26 years old and I was 26 years old at the time. He waited a year. And then lo and behold, he met me. He put the back of that and say, Really? Honestly? One year, one day, one month, one hour, he was mine. You know, he was mine. But I have to say, you know, um, going through everything he went through, there's a lot to navigate in a marriage because of that. You know, um, there are many triggers, many heartaches, many, um, even though as much as you can try, you still, nobody ever counseled him or he never got instruction on how to deal with things. You know, because you may, oh, I got it all settled, but that's not always the case. You know, we all know that. And I'm sorry, I have a little cold. So if I keep on, I'm sorry, I hope it doesn't irritate you as much as it irritates me. Um, so with that said, in 2003, we went to uh, Florida. We started uh, planted in church and that was great. But during that nine years, boy, that was a testing time. Oh, until planning Kitty Church is a lot, a lot of work. Thank you so much. My husband, before we even opened the doors, he had about 20,000 doors. He is the hardest worker. I mean, honestly, I mean, he, he pushed those all those years. But then when I got pregnant, oh, just let you know, I do have two daughters. And they're beautiful. One of them sings the feet. She's over here. They've got after Lacey, who's over there. <laughs> oh, anyway, and then I have my other daughter, Addie, had the work. She was in a cut this weekend. <clears throat> and um, so anyway, I got pregnant with Addie. Oh, I had the worst hypervisus you've ever had. I've seen in your life. I almost died. I was in the hospital for 10 weeks. I'm not exaggerating. It was horrible. They not, honestly thought I was going to die. Had three surgeries during that time. And we had two hurricanes. Yeah, during it. And uh, one of the surgeries was in the, in the hallways. That's what's so neat about that. <laughs> but anyway, that was a hard time. And my husband was, uh, he had to find different places to meet for a church. It was just all of that kind of stuff. And, but then in 2009, he, he got a perirectal ab abscess. I don't know if y'all know what that is. But it was bad. It went from zero to his whole uh, buttock. I said that, right? Oh, so... <laughs> Put my hand on it was hard as over. You know that in this part of her body, okay? And I know we don't have to stay every part, but I have to depend. That would be all for. Okay, it was the whole buttock that was hard, and so we went right in. It was in one day that went from nothing to that. So we went in. And anyway, long story short, he almost died that night. Had my two girls with me. There was nobody to help us out. We we're all by ourselves, and uh, we went back to the hospital. And he has seven surgeries that whole year. And he, we were in the emergency room multiple times. And wait to see every time she 
uh, it became such a thing that it would just stress her out so much. Every time she'd walk it, she'd start throwing up. It was that hard. She was just a little tight. And you know, to this day, we go to a hospital, she has to breathe it. You know, the baby. But I don't know where that came from. Anyway, um, so, you know, my life has obviously been great, but I tell you what, it's been good. Those years have taught me to be stronger, but then in 2012, we went to a ministry. God called us to be a youth pastor. And why six months later, it a uh, huge split over a moral issue, and people just got me. My husband had never seen such meanness, not even in the world. And I had never seen such meanness. And um, people just were fighting over a man rather than over the truth. <laughs> And, you know, my husband just stood for the truth. We even had people at night, men, banging down our door, wanting my husband to come out and settle it like a man. He'd get texts. But, you know, he never told anybody about this kind of stuff. But that is what happened. And But he was dealing with all of these emotions and whatever. And when our new pastor came, he said, man, I need to get some counseling on bitterness and anger. He's getting more and more angry. Um, and he just didn't know how to deal with it. And our pastor, he, he did the best he could to help him, honestly. And, um, it was really issues that Brian needed to deal with. So I'm telling you all of this because, um, there was a time I was a victim and I'm going, that's where I'm leading up to where I had that victim mentality. So, um, one day some 50 year old woman yelled at my 10-year-old daughter over the paper cows. Now, come on, women. Really? She has to yell at the women. Uh, little girls. Let's be over. Let's be more mature than that. But anyway, she really did refer a good one. But God meant it all for good. Okay? I'm just telling you that. God meant it all for good. And my husband lost it. When they took cash with the he said, I'm done. I resign. That's when I began to be very angry and very bare. And Acts 20, 24 says that none of these things move me, neither count I my life dearer to myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. At that time, I could say to that point, this is what I believed, and this is who I was. None of these things move me. I love the ministry. I get in the ministry all my life. I mean... That's all I knew. I mean, I loved the ministry. And um, my husband was Dominique. And all of a sudden, my whole security, everything just fell out from underneath me. And my husband didn't even ask my opinion in it. Can you believe that? He just did it. And um, I had to go get a job in the world. And um, I worked there at DC and working with all sorts of highfalutin people up there at UTC, made really, really good money. But may I tell you, it wasn't worth it at all. And so I looked at my husband and I didn't want to have anything to do with him. He did, they wanted to touch me. I didn't want him to talk to me. I didn't want to have, I didn't not want him to have anything to do with me. I was so angry, so bitter of him. See, we can choose joy. But God gives us a choice also to be a victim or a victor. And in this instance, the first time of my life, really, 
I was the victim. I felt like I was entitled to a better life. Everything was happening to me. Everything was about me. I wasn't able to be the ministry in the more anymore. I mean, there is nothing I was doing in the ministry. Nothing. But the first time I was a lay person. And I don't consider commerce that because I think we work the ministry so much. You know, <laughs> we're always in the ministry right there. But um, in this area of my life, all of a sudden I was just in a pew. I had no responsibilities whatsoever. And I felt as if nobody cared about me or whatever. That's all part of being a victim. But, you know, I used all of that for a reason. And I'm going to tell you some of those reasons that how God has just used it to allow me to be a victor only because of him. Let me tell you something about our guy. He brought along our way a wonderful pastor named Rick Carter. Our pastor at our church helped us, and he he did the best he could. But he, um, we went off to uh, Oklahoma City for a couple of days. At pastor Rick Carter in Oklahoma City, he has a whole program, and he helps pastors and people in the ministry. And he has almost the same exact story that my husband had. My husband thought he was the only one who ever had these issues. And he taught us so much and helped my husband, helped me. And um, over those two months that I was working at that um, job, my husband won me back. He won me back. Took a lot of beach, love, care. I know, but started my goals. And nobody really knows that outside of now what I told that how hard it was on our people. Because of me, was it cuts my head. But while we were in that counseling session, um, and throughout all the years, we're that pastor and his wife, uh, Rick and Angel, are some of our bestest friends. We're very close to them. Anyway, they taught us, and throughout the years, we still meet with him. They taught us this amazing thing. Our God is omnipresent. And in our finite mind, we think that that just means right here. He's just where we are right now. But did you know that's not our God? Did you know currently he is at the beginning? He's at creation. He's at Abraham and Sarah. He's at David. He's at all of these, all the way to the end of the world. He's already in the new heaven and the new earth. That is who our God is. He is everywhere right now. I know our minds just go, we can't even comprehend it because that's who he is. Our God is just so amazing. But here's the other thing. Our God also had an eternal justice. Eternal justice. That means it's ongoing. You know, that's why vengeance is his, saith the Lord. He's going to repay because he sees it. It's eternal. It's an eternal justice about our God. Well, let me continue with our story a little bit. So over those 10 months, there came a period where all of a sudden I became very bitter and angry at the woman who I thought caused it all. You know, it was a period of about two weeks where I just, anytime I saw her face, I just wanted to slap and put her head down into the toilet and flush. 
Well, honestly, well, maybe something worse than happen. I mean, but every time I saw her, it just all red. And um, of course, I came in with the big old smile. Nobody even knew what was going on because I was pretty good at hiding things like that. But I felt horrible, though. And finally, I gave it to God. I forgave her. And um, boy, what a weight lifted. But you know, about three weeks later, my husband came to me. And he said, you know, babe, I think God wants us to pastor again. And I'm and how I think he does, too. Scared? Absolutely. Was so excited because God did the work I didn't. So God brought along this wonderful church where we currently are. Think Baptist Church in Burn, Indiana. It's a small little town. Our this whole complex can fit in our town, but a whole other town isn't. It's so pretty. It's like a Christmas town. Isn't it? It's gorgeous. Lori spins the us and she loves our town. She wouldn't want to live in it, but it's so little. <laughs> Like, there's no Walmart. No, it's about 20 minutes away, though, but that's not far. But he gave us our burning church, which I'm so thankful that we have been able to use the tools that God has given us during those 10 months and even throughout our lives to help people. So as a woman, we can sometimes do things emotionally. Yes, we're crying a lot this week. But, you know, really, I'm not an emo- that emotional other person. I'm more like, I, I like uh, math because everything's exact and there's no emotion involved. But we always take, a, take our fur or offense very quickly. Us with a deal. A lot of times men can just, like, a bar off the devil's back. You know, they can just hang all everything, you know? Not really, but they can. But I want you to turn to Peter chapter 3. Verses five to six. I'm, I mean, there are a lot of stories about victor and victim, which uh, then in the Bible, there's Saul, who was a vic- had a victim mentality, but then David was the victor. I mean, there are so many stories like that. I like to see women in the Bible because I can relate. So let's look at First Peter 3, 5 and 6, and you're going, you're going to say, well, Kirk, I'm going to show you something. Well, I think I am. You probably already know, but we'll see. And it says in First Peter 3, 5, and 6, For after this manner in the old time do holy women also be trusted in God, adoring themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter she are, as long as she do well and are not afraid with any abasement. How many of you women have studied the Bible and said, I'm going to be like Sarah? <laughs> not one of you, right? I tell you what, I've never liked Sarah. <laughs> I, I hope your name isn't Sarah. I never liked Sarah. But you know, let's, let's think about this. She did have a victim mentality. You know, let's think about this. She was barren. She felt like God lied to her about having a child. She truly did. And you know what? Here's the most abhorring thing to me about all of this and why this is right here uh, we all want to follow her example why i don't know but um anyway her husband gave her to two separate harems basically saying hey if he wants to sleep with you go sleep with him i mean I, my mind is just blown and of course she was a victim that wasn't her other undoing right I'm sure she felt betrayed, unloved, rejected, insecure, abandoned, unprotected, and belittled. I know I would. 
I would not feel loved at all with my husband just giving me to some other man. Hey, sleep with her. You know, he don't want me anymore. But you know, what was important was her reaction. So if her reaction was what? It would have an eight hay bar, which equals Ishmael. So she reacted upon her victimization. Uh, and then she smoked hate for her. After all of that, she couldn't stand hate for her. Well, what's not? You slept with the, you slept with the husband. I mean, look, all of this doesn't make any sense to me. But of course, I wasn't there. Then she sent him away. She laughed at God. Everything was all about what she was missing out on. That's how she reacted. She was a victim. But then something weirdly must have happened. I mean, we all have to know that because all of a sudden, in we don't hear anything more about her except for what we hear about right here in First Peter 3. And also in Hebrews 11, she's in that famous chapter. What was so special about Sarah? I don't know, but something must have happened during that time when Abraham, when God told Abraham to get Isaac. To go with them then and help them sacrifice their son. This is what I believe God is pointing out here. Sarah must have trusted in God and said, you know what? God has a plan for this. She obeyed her husband. She submitted to him. That is why she is right here. That in my mind, this is what I believe. This is what I get. She was a victim who became a victor. And I don't want that. I want to be a victor. I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to go around and say, oh, you know, look what happened to me. You know, Matter of fact, I don't like being around people like that. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't even like telling this story that I told you today. Because it's, I don't want to bring that up because I'm not that person anymore. I'm totally different. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. And I don't want to hurt my stake or stove. Yesterday, a couple of the ladies said, man, you went so fast. I couldn't get all this stuff down. So I'm going to, going to try to get through this list. God gave this to me a couple weeks ago. Let's see if you're a victim or a victor. Here are 15 things. I promise you I'm not going to elaborate on every one of them. <laughs> Number one, victims make a list and keep adding to it. Pastor's wife, about three weeks ago, came to me and she was just devastated. One of her top ladies in her church came to her with a list of all of her grievances against her. And I'm just like, who does that? Who's trying to that? But you really, and then I told my husband later, I said, they just need to think, God, they're gonna keep a list on them. Of course, which you know, even, even during all of this time, someone at our church came with a list about my girls. I mean, I wanted to say, I need to go off why are they keeping lists? That means, in other words, you had a big victim written across your forehead as soon as you start going to people's like, and this? You know, good for you. I'm glad you could write. Thank you, go find something. That's all in Yeah. <laughs> but victors laid at the cross. Jesus died for it. We must forget it. If you do not forgive a grievance or hurt, you're slapping Jesus in the face. So why do you think that is a crop? You trust him with the, your eternity? You're not going to trust him with your life? 
You're not going to trust them with your cards. Really? Number two, victims refuse correction. So do fools. But they don't want to yet. They do not want you to tell them that they're not right as die. They do not want to hear it. This is what you need to do. They don't want to have any part of that. They refuse it. I can't tell you. The people that have come into my office said, and I said, okay, well, let's see what you've done. No, they got and get up and walk right back out. They don't want the they, they're not going to fall. It's them. It's all them. But victors pray like Jeremiah and Jeremiah 10, 24, oh, Lord, correct me. When was the last time you went to God and said, Lord, correct me? I tell you, he will. He'll, he'll bring out everything in your life. Number three, victims blame everyone else for their behavior. It's everybody else's fault. That's what I did. That's what Sarah did. I did. I blamed everybody else. It was that woman's fault. It was my husband's fault. You know what? God wanted this in my life to make me stronger for it and to help other people. Victors take responsibilities for their responsibility for their actions that they own their mistakes. They own their sins and they go, you know, we're going to fix that. Number four, victims are self-focused. It's all about me, me, me. You know, recently I had someone call me in. They, they validly, they lost their husband and their, their son in the last two years. She's 78. And so, you know, it is that time of like, you know, things are different and I know that. But for two years, she is Nobody understands it. Finally, I just very sweetly and kindly, I just said, do you really think you are the only person who has ever lost a, a son and a husband? Because she couldn't get past it. It's all about her. She's the only one hurting. She was self-focused. But you know what? Victors are other focused. They go out and they do things for people. They find a need. Oh, they just had a baby. Let's drop off the mill. He let maybe take their other kids and help them out. I mean, there's just so many other things that are focused. And number five, victims tell others how to th how everyone has hurt them. Uh, let me just tell you, you know, you're going to get hurt in church. Let me tell you this. Your pastor is not perfect. Yes, there are going to be some inconsistencies in their life because guess what? We're human. You know, I did the hearing... Somebody mentioned to me the other day, you know, they don't go to my church, but they went to another church. Oh, well, we're seeing some inconsistencies in, in our pastor. And I said, well, who doesn't? You have inconsistencies. How did you like it if you were just wheeling to your life and said, I see what's going on in your lives. <laughs> don't come to our church anymore. Please <laughs> get out. Um, no, I mean, we're sinners. Hey, by grace, quit judging each other. Honestly, I'm sorry. I took that was just something that God just gave me. Thanks for letting me go to a And then if you get hurt, I'm going to let he says this to me. Let's record it. Let's hope till end and I get down. You know, who records people? I mean, well, he does that. Uh, anyway, victors tell others about their Savior and how they hurt their Savior because of their sins. Notice the difference? We hurt our Savior. And guess what? Those people, those victims are hurting their Savior every time they tell someone else about that hurt. I 
I was there. I was that person. Number seven, victims become hardened and proud. I'm talking proud. But then victors are broken and humble. See, sometimes God wants you under a leader and you think that he is crushing you and throwing spears at you. They're hard on you. Could it be that God is allowing that because he wants you broken and crushed so he can use you in a greater way like David? Like Saul did to David? Could be. Eight, victims are bitter and destroys everyone around them. You know, re remember, many are defiled. I've started to defile my girls with my bitterness. And I have faith consequences for that. You can make your choices, but not your consequences. And I have to live with that every day. Victors are joyful and spread it everywhere they go, and people can say, boy, I can tell they've been with Jesus. When was the last time someone thought you had been with Jesus, or they could just go to you knowing that they have something to the board that they can give me? And they can go around laughing. It's okay to laugh. I love to laugh. I need to laugh. <laughs> or I probably could go crazy. Anyway, or don't go crazy trying to... I've been trying to listen to me make people laugh or make myself laugh. In 10, victims reset biblical authority. They cannot stand the pastor. There's a book group out there right now. They do not want to be under any sort of biblical authority. They do not want the pastor to preach the word. It to be instant, in season and out of season. He does not, they do not want him to improve, rebuke, exhort, and long-suffering. They, they refuse it because they're victims. They did they could wear red tear and polish. Oh, I could wear, I don't have to wear houses. I mean, really? How did that hurt you? Because you didn't get to do what you wanted to do. You wanted your way. You wanted to desert God in your way. I know, I know. People may be, I have to say, I like the only thing here. Since I was in Florida, we never wore homes again. <laughs> Because she died. And I just, I like wearing tights in the fall, but as soon as I hear them, I'm out of those hoes, you know. I'm not saying that, but what it did, what it did do, if your pastor requires these things of you when you get the leadership, you know what you're doing? You're just showing submission to the authority. But you know, if you resent it and you oh, it hurt over it, you know what they're showing? I'm the faith of victim vitality. Lacey, this Lacey over here, when all of this stuff was big around, I'm not saying there are valid, valid things. I'm not saying that, but you don't have to air your dirty laundry everywhere. Go get some help. I promise you, I'll be the first one to help walk you through it because I've been hurt. I, I, I've never been hurt over saying, I'm going to polish though. I think i you bad. I think that's silly. But my daughter said, she goes, you know what that screams, mom? I go, what? When? You're well. You know, we're supposed to endure hardness as a good soldier. We're supposed to be overcomers. Get behind your story. Get behind your story. You, they are going to have to answer to God for you.
And I'm sure God's not going to go to heaven and say, you shouldn't have told them not to wear hose. You shouldn't have told them that they didn't have to wear hose. I, I, I could probably shoot. He's not going to stay back to slip me. For I think you might come on the phone. For if I was God, that's what I'd say. That's worth it. Number 11, the victims think they should serve where they want a church. <laughs> Recently, I had to remove someone from a certain kind of a schedule, and oh my goodness, I got steady group attacks. I wanted to see, uh, sorry, I wanted to do this. In this ministry, I had this play, but I had this play, and you didn't even ask me if you could bring the pain. Really? They think they should serve wherever they want. That's not the way John were. He sets up kings and sets down kings. And God placed us as the leaders, so there's a reason for it. But this is what victors think. Victors can't believe God would even use them, but see, and are careful to give God praise for allowing them to serve. I can't believe it. You know, after those 10 months, I never take a day for granted in surfing my seeker. I can't believe it. I'll serve anywhere. I use not cleaned in toilet every day. It's a penny. I had to do it for my seat. That's where I'm be. That's like in straight in the thick, and I don't mind. I just had to do it for the Lord. It's cool for days. Anytime I start thinking that that's, I should be someplace else, I, I have to immediately go back and go, nope. Victims react. That's what Sarah did. Remember, she reacted. But victims respond. They go to counsel. They get help. They go, you know what? I'm not going to let this hurt. That's straight line hurts. I've got to go get some help. Honestly, if you, you ladies are abused, hurt, sexually assaulted, whatever, you need to go get help. I mean, even if it's somebody, I, I, I'm not saying you need to keep it in and you need to be a victor and just deal with it. No, you come and get help. My husband got help. I'm not too late to get help. I, ha I have my transfers. I mean it. I go to them all the time because I don't ever want to get back on this victim's list. Ever again. 13. Victims think the preacher or speaker speaking is preaching directly to him or about him. Well, I went through a period of that. He's preaching directly at my family. At me. Okay, I'm just gonna say this. Man, I had I taught Willie B at my and I can promise you your pastor will not do that to you either. <laughs> and I can promise you good We just don't do that. We don't pinpoint one person and preach to them. It's just not what's done. But it could be that God is saying, Pastor, say that. Pastor, say that. Pastor, say that. And it is you. So take it. Welcome, reproof. Victors are thankful that the preacher loves him enough to preach the truth and gets, gets right with God. Are you thankful you have a pastor who just preaches the truth, preaches it hard? You just said, good. I'm thankful I, my husband preaches hard on truth, and I need it. 
14, I'm almost dead. Victims don't believe in the fear of the Lord, so there are no boundaries, no rules. There's a church in our town that has um, the church where there is no rules. Really? I have a whole Bible. It's full of rules and commands that we're supposed to obey and all of that. Victors know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. With God, there are commands and there are consequences for disobedience. Number 15, victims don't care how their behavior and decisions affect those around them. Look at what happened with Sarah. She reacted. She did had Hagar and Abraham sleep together, and now we have Ishmael, and guess what? It has now affected the whole world. When you're a victim, you think, I don't care. That's the way I told I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care about anything. I didn't care about my family. I just didn't know how to get through it. I sure prayed me, God. Doesn't make me bear the consequences for that. And then victors are careful to not mark God's name or testimony. I go love my baby. Mine's the story tomorrow. My tomorrow, please. If I mistake her name, he died on the cross. He was the greatest example of victim and victor. The marvelous God we have. Mike, what do you have? My steeper dialect cross, he was beating bruised. He suffered so much more than I could even think of. Young girls in the spring, college, whatever, I don't know how young you are here. There is a trend out there where there's this show. I'm not going to name the show. I think all of you will probably know it, but these kids are getting up and they're destroying their parents over the abuse that happened in their home. I am not discounting that they were honestly sexually assaulted in their home. But why do you have to get up on TV and mark Christ's name? Those parents, I'm sure, are devastated that it even happened in their home. What happened to honoring our parents? It may not be perfect, but there's a whole group of young people that are flocking to, well, you know, let me tell you what's happening in my church, and this is what's happening in my church. Do you know, I'm, I don't know how it is in their church, but my husband is a big component of churches. And I mean, he's had to ask some people to leave because of their sexual sins. He has had to call the police. I mean, so would you group everybody into just one line of even IFB or that's not even right? With uh, if you're born the name of Christ, why are you either watching shows like that? They curse. It's not glorifying to God in any way. And now these people, these young people, flocking to this show. We're dealing with it in our church that they're flocking to this show, and now they're going. I need to find out who I truly am. You know, you are a child of God. You are forgiven. You were bought by his blood. And now you have 
turned herself into a victim. Why? Are you saying, Jesus, your blood means nothing? That's basically what's happening. What happened to those girls in that home? I am so sorry it happened. I'd love to help them as they ever what needed help. But why? Do not go around telling everybody about it. It's just hurting God's name. Really, they should be going and getting help. And then they can go back. I forgive. Because didn't she die for that molestation? Sure did. If he died for it, you must forgive him. As hard as that is, there's a whole promise that she goes through. In that whole counseling, we do a lot of how the fleet counseling business and, and our church and abuse, betrayal, conflict, that's disease. Like the whole way to go through like how he gets healing and help from abuse. So I've had this counting true victims. Some of us, we victimize ourselves. And that's what Sarah did. And I just want to be a victor. And I fooled that and get them all like Savior saying that I go back to the Paulsons. None of things, none of these things was me. None of these heartaches, none of these curses, none of these betrayals will move me as I want my joy. I want it to be counted as joy in my life. Thank you so much for listening to me. I have been a great crowd. If you ever need anything, just come to me. And I would love to help you with it any way I can. Y'all have been wonderful. And thank you for listening to all my so-called jobs. So let's pray. Darren Nicola, I just want to thank you. I'm not worthy to be up here. I know I know many of these late 